0: Welcome to Maven America, a podcast all about the American immigration experience, where I find out what happens when you leave your life behind to move far away and start a new one. This show is usually immigration stories told by people who've lived them, but today's episode is different in a good way, because it's our Thanksgiving special. I mean, what is more American than Thanksgiving? It's as American as an apple pie baked in the Grand Canyon. Thanksgiving is so American, it's waging six secret wars as we speak. If Thanksgiving was any more American, it would turn into a bald eagle, score a touchdown, and then depending on your preferred strain of patriotism, maybe take a knee during the anthem. Take a tiny little bird knee. This year marks my third Thanksgiving in the US and I'm determined to get it right. I mean, what even is it? I've got a bunch of people to explain it to me, including a comedian on a stage, an attorney on a bed and a president on a phone. Here's what I know so far. Thanksgiving is about family, I think. Like people spend the weekend with their families and it gives them this convenient opportunity to start an argument with said family that they get to continue at a later holiday. I spent my first Thanksgiving watching football in Staten Island with my manager's family, and we each ate a whole pie. It was the best day of my life, apart from the football and being on Staten Island. Throughout this series, I'm going to have a lot of questions about this country. So who do I turn to? Well, I ask an American in this section called Ask an American. This week I asked comedian and writer Naomi Eck-Peregan just what Thanksgiving is all about. She's born and bred right here in New York City and has strong feelings that basically it's all about food.
1: Really like my time, like my preferred holiday, my heart and soul is in Thanksgiving. (laughs) Um, Yeah, thank you, thank you. (laughs) For me it's like it's like the time of the, it's like that day, that time where everyone eats the way I do. You know, Um, it's a great, because Thanksgiving is the only time of the year where you and total strangers will just talk about food you're going to eat. You know what I mean? Like you don't normally just talk about like, like the different ways you can make sweet potato sweet. You know? And you'll have like a 20 minute conversation about yams. And like for me personally, it is brown sugar, white sugar, butter, vanilla, nutmeg. And then you want to add a marshmallow crumble topping. And that's my best life. I call it yam love (laughs) and I love it. It is such a delicious thing. Um, I don't know, I think like, we can't say that Thanksgiving is no big deal. Cause like, think about this though. Like, Thanksgiving is so important, we get the date after Thanksgiving as a holiday? That's just government sanctioned digestion. You know what I'm saying? It was just like, we know you ain't gonna be able to move, why don't you just stay home and let's stop bullshitting? You know? (laughs) And that's what I love the most is that there's, we don't need that Friday off. What have we done? What have we done? We ate too much. <laughs> that was literally the whole thing. You know, I love it. I love it. It can be tough sometimes. Like I'm, cause I am very, you know, again, obviously this is my, that's my holiday. It's my special time Thanksgiving. So ever since I got with Jubal, we've had to split the holiday. One year his with his people, one year my people. I like black Thanksgiving. Okay, everything got a little too much salt in it, and it is flavorful, okay? Then I go to white Thanksgiving, and there's so many damn bean casseroles, and it upsets me. I, whenever we have to go there, I feel like my day has been taken from me. I like literally do, like, we'll go, come back like Saturday, and I will start making my own stuff in. okay? That's how I feel about it. If I have to go do... Thanksgiving in Pennsylvania, I gotta come home to, like,
0: stuff and with extra type 2 diabetes. <laughs> yes, Naomi, I know exactly what you're saying. That was Ask an American, and that particular American will marry her doo-boo Andy, next year. Now, the purpose of the holiday is much clearer to me. It's all about eating too much food, even when you're not enjoying the food. And I can totally do that. I did it secretly for years. Amen. Last year, my second Thanksgiving, I did something a lot of immigrants who are here on their own do. I had Friendsgiving. That's when you somehow convince other solo people that you're bearable enough to spend a weekend with. We all got together and had dinner and we played cards and got drunk and told stories. It was brilliant. And I recall these little table decorations we got at Paper Source, shaped like teepees. So about that. (laughs) The story of the first Thanksgiving goes a little something like this. It's 1621, the Pilgrims were so relieved to have made it through their first year in their new land with the help of the friendly and wise Native Americans that they all got together and had a feast to give thanks. The Pilgrims and the Native Americans. Hmm. First up, who were the Pilgrims? I know they were immigrants, they were English, and they dressed real old fashioned. But at the time, maybe that was the current fashion. I don't know, because they barely used Instagram. And they talked funny. I found some ancient recordings online. Good morrow. Hi, you guys. How now? How do you fare? Oh, uh, you know, smoking, joking, token. How now do you fa- fare? Ugh, talking to them is so awkward. They're like one of those couples who are always all over each other, you know? And I'm like, get a room. Or a wagon. I don't know. But yeah, they're weird. Instead of saying cat, they say... Mouser. And instead of saying backwards, they say... Ersi versi. And what became of the pilgrims? Well, simply put, they became White America and continue to celebrate Thanksgiving every year. Bigly. And what about the Native Americans? Who were they? I called up Jossie Ross. He's an attorney by trade, a storyteller by heart. He's from the Blackfeet Nation and lives on the Port Madison Indian Reservation near Seattle. Hi, Jossie. How are you?
2: I'm incredible. How about
0: yourself? (laughs) Great. Thank you so much for talking to us. So (laughs) I've been researching um, the origins of this holiday. I have this like fuzzy idea, right, that it's something to do with the pilgrims and the Native Americans like all having a feast and the pilgrims saying thank you to the Native Americans and everybody sort of helping each other out in the olden days?
2: Well, it depends on who's telling the story, like most stories. And from a lot of Native people's perspective, I certainly can't say everybody's. But it's not a um, celebration of um, the, the pilgrims coming over and successfully making it through their first year here. Um, with the assistance of of native people, but instead it's actually a harvest ritual that far predates um, pilgrims or you know any Europeans coming to this continent. Oh, we can eat another year. <laughs> we have enough food to store for the oncoming winter, the cold season. And so it's that was when it was memorialized, I guess, and that's when people said, Oh, I guess this is a thing because white people are doing it.
0: Wait, what? I totally missed what Jossie said because I was dabbing. You know that new thing people are doing, like when you touch your arm to your forehead right where your box braids start? Anyway, I asked him, that time in 1621, the so-called first Thanksgiving in Massachusetts with the corn and the pilgrims and the party, did that even happen? Or did I get the whole thing arsey varcy?
2: There actually is a, a level of some historical tr- truth. Like if we were doing a grade on the Thanksgiving myth, it would be kind of truthful. Like it would get two and a <laughs> half stars out of five. Okay. It d- definitely wouldn't get five out of five no. because it doesn't tell nearly the complete story. And like most American stuff, it just doesn't tell the ugly parts.
0: The ugly parts of the story being, I guess, pretty much everything the colonizers did after 1621.
2: I think that there are certain people of, of brown skin people i 'm not going to say just native people, but who really resent Thanksgiving because the whole story 's not told, and I think that 's a completely reasonable thing but for me i 'm not angry about it, but I do think it 's a great jumping off point for real history, mm-hmm. which is that there 's a long and, and and colorful history of of Europeans. Um, stepping into native concepts like democracy, like Thanksgiving, and then kind of dressing it up a little bit pretty and then saying, well, this is something we figured out.
0: When Josie mentioned dressing things up a little bit pretty and claiming them, I remember those teepees on our table last year. And like the genius that I am, I brought them up.
2: Yeah, that's horrible. I mean, that, that kind of stuff is definitely disrespectful.
0: So at this point, naturally, I climbed under the table and made a sound like this. Uh, no. But Jossie was so cool about it, and he took the time to explain.
2: You know, because that, that stuff is damaging. Uh-huh. And, and that's the opposite of trying to find out real history or trying to find out real context for history. From a Native person's perspective, listen, I'm, right now I'm laying in a hotel room with a huge TV screen <laughs> and with in front of my, my MacBook Pro, uh, laptop. <laughs> and and the, the problem with images like that is they capture a particular time of, of you know, Native people mm-hmm. and keep us in that time period.
0: That kind of stuff, Pocahontas, Halloween costumes, paper teepees on a Thanksgiving table, these stereotypes and outdated tropes, it turns out they have consequences. Jossie told me that back in 1993, Donald Trump testified in front of Congress making unfounded allegations that organized criminals were about to infiltrate casinos that just so happened to be run by the Mashantucket Pequot tribe in Connecticut.
2: When he was testifying before Congress, he, he was trying to delegitimize them, their ability to have a tribally run casino. And he said in open session, so that it was recorded they're not Indians. They don't look like Indians. And not only do they not look like Indians to me, they don't look like Indians to other Indians.
0: After the hearing, Donald Trump was asked what an Indian looks like. You know, he said, you know.
2: So mm. these things, you know, yeah, absolutely. You know, it is it is making it cute and, you know, dressing it up in some other mm. way than the historical context. But it also, it gives light to people like that who would say damaging things like that and, and be able to question our authenticity because we don't look like what they envision those first uh, Native people that the pilgrims. I mean, white people aren't wearing those little funny hats. And, and <laughs> well,
0: you can't <laughs> see me.
2: <laughs> uh, <laughs> that's true. That's true. I mean, you, you, you might very well be rocking. Uh, uh, I don't know. Is it a pilgrimage? <laughs>
0: Hey, can I ask what you do on Thanksgiving? Because it's a national holiday, right? Like everyone gets the day off and they yeah. think the next day too. So what what do you do?
2: I, I eat with my family like like a lot of other folks. I do largely what everybody else does, which is to sit at home and watch football and give fat. <laughs> um,
0: hey, thank you so much for your perspective on this. It was so good to talk to
2: you. It was wonderful talking to you.
0: I want to tell you about another Thanksgiving feast, one with a beautiful origin story, one that started in San Francisco's Chinatown 40 years ago. So do you guys remember Rosalind Koo, the firecracker grandmother, community activist, and dream guest from our first episode?
3: When you abuse uh, someone who was vulnerable. I get mad. (laughs) When I get mad, you don't want to come near me.
0: (laughs) One of the causes Roz advocates for is Self-Help for the Elderly, an NGO that supports seniors in the San Francisco area. Through Roz, I learned about this amazing huge feast that happens in different locations around the city every Thanksgiving. I called up the president.
2: On behalf of the Obama family, I want to wish you a very happy No,
0: not that president. This one. So I'm Annie Chong, and I'm the president and
3: CEO of Self-Help for the Elderly. And we're planning a very, very big traditional Thanksgiving lunch right on Thanksgiving Day for about 3,000 seniors.
0: This tradition began 40 years ago with an experience that brought Annie to tears. See, her home care workers reported that many of the seniors had told them that they were spending Thanksgiving with family.
3: And that we don't need to worry about them.
0: But she later discovered that they had spent the whole day sitting alone in their tiny rooms. They don't have any families to spend
3: Thanksgiving with.
0: I asked her why they would make that up.
3: It goes back to a little bit cultural. For elderly to be taken care of by their families is a very big thing. And to have no families and no children, inviting you over to spend Thanksgiving is not a good thing. So to save face or to not let us worry about them, then uh, these several seniors just made up the story and said that they have families, picking them up.
0: So self-help for the elderly became their family for Thanksgiving. But some of the seniors are too frail to leave their houses. So about 900 meals need to be brought to them all over the city. And finding parking in San Francisco, well, it's a nightmare.
3: And we know that to deliver that many meals with, you know, volunteers' cars, uh, we're going to get a lot of uh, tickets and citations.
0: Self-help came up with a plan. So we invited
3: our police, uh, (laughs) uh, volunteers, to come and help us do home-delivered meals. And then from that tradition, the firefighters come, the paramedics come, (laughs) you know, the sheriffs come.
0: And that was the end of their ticket problem. So now, pretty much on Thanksgiving Day, all of
3: our peace officers from the various branches out to all of the neighbourhoods, it's a great scene.
0: (laughs) (laughs) A great scene indeed. Firefighters carving up turkeys, high school kids wrapping up plates, police cars zooming all over the city with sturdy seniors in the back, ready to jump out and deliver the dinners to their friends.
3: You know, like police cars on the back; they have no doors and the windows can't open. right? <laughs> it's it's a it's a little bit of uh, alarming when you sit in the back. But if the volunteers have to go into a police car, then they have to, I guess, they have to sit in the back. Yeah.
0: <laughs> well, congratulations, and I hope that you have a um a wonderful Thanksgiving. Thanks for all of your work.
3: Yeah, I think it'll be great. <laughs> we'll have a lot of fun.
0: So, I know that it's a cliché to call the United States a melting pot, yes, but what about calling it a sizzling wok? No, whatever. This year, I'm not going down the potato and marshmallow road, however soft and sweet and tempting that road might be. Instead, inspired by my time in the Chinese-American community, I turned to Grace Young, the award winning cook and food writer. I visited her in her calm and pretty apartment in downtown New York. Hello, how are you? My name. Nice to meet you. And she was preparing a Chinese Thanksgiving side to show us. It smells really nice nice in here. What? It smells really nice in here. (laughs) Okay. Under the watchful eye of two of the happiest cats I've ever met. Yeah, yeah. This is Henley. Can I like? Absolutely. Okay, okay. Super friendly. Now you know when someone is in love and they can't stop mentioning the person and talking about how great they are and how perfect they are for each other. Well, that's kind of how Grace is about her wok. You can do everything with it. Yeah.
4: I always, you can see the wok is on the stove. Mm-hmm. I just keep it there. This morning I scrambled eggs. I oh, used yes. the wok. Yeah. Last night I had a steak. I cooked it in the wok. Um, I stir, yeah, you know, you'll see me stir frying now. It, you can steam, boil, poach, deep fat fry, pan fry, braise. Um, smoke with it, stir fry. I even use it for uh, roasting in the oven.
0: Oh, really? Yeah,
4: yeah. You have to cover the handles because mine has wooden handles,
0: but I have more than one wok. <laughs> I'm a walkaholic. Yeah. Let me apologize to those of you who don't enjoy puns, but I love them. And if Grace Young says she's a wackaholic, she's a wackaholic. And you know what? The first step is admitting you have a problem. How many walks do you have, do you know? Uh, I will not divulge that. Can't. My, I think my husband would divorce me, but I
4: have walks um, in the oven, in the kitchen cabinet, um, in my office, under the desk and under the bed. Yeah. It's not
0: they're a, so big like yeah it's not an easy <laughs> ne, in my
4: next lifetime
0: i'm going to collect chopsticks when i explained that my mission was inspired by this week's guest Roz koo grace practically dropped her walk
4: oh my god auntie Rosalind! no way
0: oh my god
4: yeah oh my god so she's part of my mother's generation but she was like she wasn't like all the rest of the Chinese moms and aunties. She was um, working early on when she came to America, which was very unusual. She's a maverick and she's still working. I don't have any other aunties that are getting the vote out. And <laughs> No,
0: she's, she's one of a kind. She certainly is. If you missed the Roz episode, check your feed. Speaking of feed, sorry. Grace explained what she was making, stir fried Brussels sprouts with shallots and sherry. The recipe's on our Facebook page. Just go to Maven America. Here's Grace's thinking behind this lighter than usual, greener than usual side dish. So the oven is always occupied, right? So it makes sense to actually
4: do the vegetables in the wok. Mm-hmm. And the great thing is I can prep everything and go up there and have the vegetable stir-fried in under five minutes.
0: Also, Grace is super adamant about getting those inevitable extra Thanksgiving calories from delicious treats, not desertified vegetables.
4: I think to myself, I'm not cutting back on the wine. Bring on the butter, the cream, the eggs, the chocolate, whatever. Mm -hmm. Um, But why do we have to eat vegetables that are unnecessarily rich? Yeah,
0: Naomi, why do we have to eat vegetables that are unnecessarily rich?
1: And like for me personally, it is brown sugar, white sugar, butter, vanilla, nutmeg, and then you want to add a marshmallow crumble topping.
4: Okay, so this is about a pound of Brussels sprouts. And I went to the farmer's market to get them yesterday. So these are just, these are actually the first Brussels sprouts I'm eating for the year. So you're just trimming Mm -hmm. about an eighth of an inch Mm -hmm. from the bottoms. And then where you've trimmed is a nice flat slice. Then I set them on that so that they're not rolling around. Mm -hmm. And then I make one quarter inch thick slices. So we add the garlic and the shallots. Mm -hmm. And do you hear that sizzle sound? That means that the wok is correctly preheated. You just want this to be fragrant and now been about 30 seconds. I add all the Brussels
0: sprouts. That was so yeah. Grace and her best friend the walk worked quickly, and before I knew it, I was presented with a super tasty bowl of stir fried sprouts. They're lovely. The cat is not interested in your Brussels sprouts, and you shouldn't be. After we ate, Grace showed me some cool old photos of her family and we talked about food and what a huge part it plays in settling into your new home country. Grace told me about her parents and how they got along great in America, but they did miss some things and other things were really hard for them.
4: The one way they couldn't um, Americanize was with the food. Well, one time we went to Italy for a vacation and by the 10th day or, you know, Whatever, right before we were about to go back to um, San Francisco, we went for pizza, and my father said something like, Hold the tomato sauce and hold the cheese. And I thought to myself, <laughs> What's left? You know? Aww. And it, he was just so like, uncomfortable and Mm -hmm. ill at ease. And, and I remember after we landed in San Francisco and as the car pulled up to the driveway of our house, my father turned to my mother and said, start the rice.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Oh, Oh, sorry. Oh, Oh, no. That was me standing on Huggy. I was laughing and I stepped back right onto his little paw, the poor little Mauser. I checked with Grace and she said he was totally fine. I'm thankful for that. I'm thankful for a lot this Thanksgiving. I have enough to eat a full harvest from Shake Shack. I'm thankful I get to make this podcast and talk to people like Jossie and Annie and Grace. I'm thankful today for the cops in San Francisco volunteering their time and the native people in Seattle sharing their truth and the Chinese American seniors looking out for each other and black girls and Jewish boys falling in love and arguing over sweet potato pie. Family, food, gratitude, I don't know. Thanksgiving has a messy history, but it's somehow unifying, managing to be beautifully hopeful and desperately old school at the same time. Kind of like this country of ours, where I'm thankful to live. Maven America is a joint production of Pretty Good Friends and First Look Media. This episode was produced by Stephanie Tam, with help from Liz Coe, Julie Smith-Clem, Naomi Westwater-Weeks, Erica Romero, Matt Schiltz, Andy Beckerman, Emily Alexander, and Pat Masidi miller who wrote our theme music. The show is engineered by Ted Muldoon, with music by Sending Letters to the Sea. Shout out to Jermaine Hamilton and the wonderful Studio Circle in San Mateo. Big thanks to Lee Mulad and all the cuties at First Look Media. Subscribe to the podcast and come visit us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Maven America, where you'll find tons of photos of and information about our contributors and guests. And can you do us a favor? Would you send this show, please, to someone you think might not normally get to hear it? That's it. Thanks so much for listening. Next episode is out on Tuesday. The almonds are great with them.
4: So the recipe actually calls for pine nuts or slivered
0: almonds. hmm Oh, thank you, Grace. These are lovely. Sorry, I hate when people are like chewing in the mic. <laughs> I like text into radio stations to tell them, Can you please ask that person to stop?